Once there was a time when all the elements of earth, sea, and sky lived on the land together in many, many villages. Many years ago, back in the old country, there lived a holy, sweet couple who loved each other so very much. A long time ago, in a village, somewhere in Tamil Nadu, there lived a monkey. There was once a man, tall and handsome, who met a, a woman, beautiful and elegant, and they fell in love with each other. Once upon a time, and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Ann Harding, and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away, and will bring you back safely. The books were whispering. Golden ginger macaroons. Preheat the oven to 180 Celsius, 350 Fahrenheit, gas four. I first noticed the recipe being read. I followed the sound and opened the book. The words were whispering themselves. Sprinkle the ground almonds and ginger over the whisked eggs and gently fold them together. Then, all the books on the shelf started reading their own words. I could hear them whispering over the top of each other. How very strange. This episode is all about the books. Simon Brooks has frequently told stories for the podcast, and while he has many CDs out, his first book, titled Under the Oaken Bough, will be coming out in the spring. It will have stories you've never heard, and stories you think you might know, but are told with unexpected twists. He recorded the story Goldilocks for the podcast, and afterwards, there is a short interview just for you listeners. The True Story of the Brat Goldilocks This is the true story of Goldilocks. You see, many people think Goldilocks was such a nice little girl that only made a few mistakes. Even Goldilocks herself thought she was a nice little girl, but no, she was terrible, she was horrible, she was a real stinker, you know, she was that sort of child. Goldilocks was the sort of child who, if you were colouring a picture of your mum and dad, she might ask to help. But instead of helping, she would tear the picture to shreds, throw it into the air and call out, Confetti! (laughs) If you were playing catch with your friends and she came to join in, she would grab the ball, throw it down, stamp on it to burst it, and toss the now pancake-like ball, calling out, Lame Frisbee! (laughs) She was that sort of child. One day... Goldilocks came down for her breakfast and said to her mother, I want chocolate. Her mother appeared surprised at the request. No, you need to have some proper breakfast first and maybe later we'll have some chocolate. Yeah, I want chocolate for breakfast. No, laughed her mother. You need to start the day with something healthy. What sort of a mother would I be if I gave you chocolate for breakfast? A good one? No, silly. Now, let me get you some cereal. Goldilocks's mother opened the kitchen cupboard. No, said Goldilocks. I want chocolate. What about fruit? No, said Goldilocks. I want chocolate. Now you're being rude. Goldilocks's mother was getting annoyed. What about some yoghurt or some toast? No, said Goldilocks. I want chocolate. She stamped her foot and I want it now. Goldilocks's mother spoke gently. That's enough. Why don't we start over? Go upstairs to your room and when you want to be polite, come down and we can start again with a healthy breakfast. I 
Chocolate! shouted Goldilocks as she stamped up the stairs to her room. When she was there, she stomped on the floor and threw all the covers off the bed because she knew that would annoy her mother. As Goldilocks stamped and threw things around her room because she was that sort of child, her mother ignored her and made herself a cool drink. Goldilocks had a very bad idea indeed. I know, she thought. I'll run away from home. That'll teach my mum for not giving me chocolate for breakfast. And with that, she opened her bedroom window and jumped onto the hill at the back of the house and ran off. Running away is never a good idea, unless you're in danger. Eventually, you'll need to find somewhere to sleep, and you might think you're in a safe field, but at three o'clock in the morning, that there is a bull in the field, and it wants you out. Or a skunk might find you and think you need to smell better, more like a skunk, maybe. Or you might wake up to see a large, furry animal with sharp teeth licking its lips. No, running away is rarely a good thing. But Goldilocks was so angry she ran and ran and ran and ran and ran until she ran out of breath. Having run out of breath, she turned around and realised she was lost. Spinning about, searching for a known landmark, Goldilocks discovered she had run off the path some time ago. It's all my mum's fault, she cried out loud. If I had some chocolate for breakfast, I never would have run away from home in the first place. Man, I would never have got like, oh, wait, what's that? Off in the distance, Goldilocks could see smoke rising from behind some trees. She thought, I know, I'll walk to where that smoke is because there's bound to be somebody there. So off she set. Goldilocks knew that if there was smoke, there was fire. And if there was fire, there would be humans. Why? Because you never see a fox or a rabbit or a vole in the woods striking matches or starting a lighter. At first, she thought someone was burning brush. But in fact, the smoke came from a chimney and the chimney was attached to a house, and in the house lived three bears. There was Papa Bear. There was Mama Bear. And little tiny baby bear. Yellow! Now, every day, Papa Bear made porridge for the whole family, but he made it especially for little baby bear, who liked it in a certain way. Mama Bear did not like a porridge, how baby bear liked his. Mama Bear liked her porridge runny, so Papa Bear would add hot milk to her porridge. Papa Bear was not a fan of how little Baby Bear liked his porridge either. Papa Bear preferred it thick and lumpy. After Papa Bear put porridge in his own bowl, he added more oatmeal to thicken it up. Papa Bear wanted to see the spoon balanced upright in the cereal. But little Baby Bear had it straight from the pan, just the way he best enjoyed it. As the porridge was always too hot to eat, they would take a short morning constitutional walk in the woods while the porridge cooled down. It was just after they left when Goldilocks showed up at the house. You might think that, as she was lost, she would have politely knocked on the door and asked for help. That's not what she did. Goldilocks walked up to the door, banged on it with a fist and walked in without waiting for an answer. She was that sort of child. Hello? Hello? Is anybody there? I want some breakfast. I'm all lost. Ooh! She grinned at the table, set with porridge. Goldilocks jumped into Papa Bear's chair lifted the large spoon off the table and filled it with porridge from Papa Bear's bowl. She shoved the porridge into her mouth and stopped. She rolled it about in her mouth, then spat it out back into the bowl. That's disgusting. It's all lumpy. I hate lumpy porridge. She tossed the spoon into the porridge where it stood, like a flagpole. Goldilocks then climbed over to Mama Bear's chair. She picked up the middle-sized spoon and filled it halfway, stuck the porridge between her lips and stopped. 
she swished it about her mouth and then spat it out. Ew, that's disgusting. It's all runny. Who eats porridge like soup? I hate runny porridge. She dropped the spoon into the porridge where it sank like a boat with a hole. Goldilocks then climbed over to little baby bear's chair. She picked up the spoon and put a small amount into her mouth. Oh, that's nice. I like that. She ate spoonful after spoonful until she ate all that was in the bowl. She even ran her fingers around the bowl to wipe up the leftover bits and then licked her fingers before turning the bowl upside down in its place because she was that sort of child. Well, I'm full and I'm tired and I want a nap, she said. All this running through the forest and eating porridge has made me sleepy. Goldilocks looked and saw three armchairs sitting next to the roaring fireplace. She thought she would jump into Papa Bear's big comfortable chair and curl up like a kitty cat and go to sleep. But when she jumped onto it, she found it very uncomfortable indeed. I don't like this chair. It's all lumpy and hard. It's just like that porridge. She moved the cushions around to make it more comfortable, but it did not help. What a silly chair this is said Goldilocks, who then knocked all the cushions onto the floor and walked over to Mama Bear's chair, which appeared overstuffed. When she sat in this chair, it flung her out. What? She climbed back onto it and sat down hard. She found herself bouncing up and down and out of it. I don't like this chair. It's all springy. It feels like I've got a spring poking my bum. She tried to move the cushions around to make it more comfortable, but it did not help. What a silly chair this is. Goldilocks then kicked all the cushions onto the floor, jumped down and walked over to little baby bear's wooden armchair. She tried to squeeze into the chair. It was a little tight. She wiggled and jiggled to get comfortable. Twisting and turning, the chair broke. What a dopey chair this is. Can't even hold a nice little girl like me and I still need a nap. She kicked the bits of broken chair around because she was that sort of child and stomped off to find the bedroom. When Goldilocks found the bedroom, her mouth fell open. There were three beds all lined up. First there was Papa Bear's bed, which was huge. Then there was Mama Bear's bed, which was pretty big. And then there was little tiny Baby Bear's bed, which was not too small. I know, said Goldilocks. If I run and jump onto the huge bed, I should bounce off that onto the big bed and then bounce off that onto the smaller bed. I'm brilliant! Goldilocks backed out of the room to run full speed back in. She leapt as high and as hard as she could onto Papa Bear's bed. And when she landed, she did not fly back up into the air with the grace of a ballerina, as she thought she might, but landed on the covers with a crack. Ow! I think I've dislocated my shoulder. This bed's all hard and lumpy like the chair. And the porridge downstairs. Goldilocks moved the cushions and pillows about, trying to make it more comfortable. She laid her head down on one of the pillows. Ow! She fluffed up the covers and sat down hard on them. Ow! I don't like this bed at all. After Goldilocks kicked all the covers from the bed, she leapt over onto Mama Bear's mattress. Hitting Mama Bear's bed, Goldilocks flew up to the ceiling and landed back on the bed and took off again. She bounced and boinged again and again until she lay wobbling on the bed, swaying from side to side. I feel all seasick. I don't like this bed. It's horrid. I think, I think I'm going to be... Goldilocks stood up and wobbled her way over to little baby bear's bed. She pushed the mattress with her fingers. It squeaked a little. (coughs) She tested the bed by sitting on the edge and bouncing up and down a little bit. (coughs) It seems okay, said Goldilocks. 
The girl pulled down the covers and climbed in. She fluffed up the pillow and gently laid her head down. Oh, yes, this is nice. I like this bed. Pulling the covers over her head, it was as if a light had been switched. She instantly fell asleep. Goldilocks began to snore and drooled all over little baby bear's pillow. She was also that sort of child. It was about this time when the three bears returned home. Papa Bear saw the front door swinging open. Hmm, I wonder if I close the door properly. Uh, Let's go in and have our... Walking in, Papa Bear saw his bowl. This is odd. It looks like someone has tried my porridge. He leaned closer and spat it back into the bowl. Little Baby Bear climbed up onto his father's chair and, and looked. That's not very nice, he said. Mama Bear looked at her bowl and said, Well, this is odd. It looks like someone has tried my porridge too and spat it back in the bowl. Little Baby Bear climbed up on his mother's chair and looked into her bowl. That's not very nice, he said. Little Baby Bear climbed up onto his own chair and looked. Here, someone's eaten all my porridge up. His bottom lip stuck out a little and then, in a very cross voice, said, That's not very nice. Never mind, sweetie, said Mama Bear. Papa Bear can make some more porridge. Why don't you and I sit down and we read in our... Mama Bear stopped. Papa Bear turned to see why Mama Bear paused and lumbered over to his armchair. It looks like someone sat in my chair and kicked the cushions off. Little Baby Bear came over and took Papa Bear's paw. That's not very nice. Mama Bear looked at her armchair and said, It looks like someone also sat in my chair and kicked the cushions off too. Little Baby Bear took Mama Bear's paw and said, That's not very nice. But his voice became quieter. He saw his wooden chair that was now broken and in pieces on the floor. Here! Someone sat in my chair and broke it into a million, 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 million pieces! He looked at his parents. That's not very nice! Never mind, sweetie, said Mama Bear. I can fix it or make you a new one. Just as she finished talking, a sound filled the small house. It was a sort of growling, a sort of snorting, a sort of snuffling sound. said Papa Bear. Maybe a wild creature has broken into the house and done all this. Be very, very quiet. He began to tiptoe up the stairs with Mama Bear and Little Baby Bear following. The sound led them to the bedroom. When they swung the door wide open, Papa Bear took a step back in surprise and pointed to his bed. He turned and whispered, It looks like someone has tried to sleep in my bed and kicked all the covers off onto the floor. Little Baby Bear came over and, taking Papa Bear's paw, said, That's not very nice. Mama Bear looked into the bedroom and pointed to her bed. It looks like someone tried to take a sleep in my bed and they kicked all the covers off too. Little Baby Bear came over and took Mama Bear's paw and said, That's not very nice. Little Bear looked at his own bed and pointed. There was something in it. Quietly, the three bears made their way over to little baby bear's bed. Something was snuffling, snorting, growling under the covers. With great care, Papa Bear lifted the sheets 
and the three saw Goldilocks drooling all over little baby bear's pillow. Now, some people think that it was the hot breath of the bears which woke Goldilocks up, but I think it was little baby bear crying out as loud as loud can be. Ew! Someone's sleeping in my bed and they're drooling all over my pillow! That's not very nice! Well, Goldilocks' eyes snapped open like roller blinds and saw the three bears leaning over her. She screamed and leapt through the window. When she leapt through the window, she was very lucky the window happened to be open, and she fell down towards the ground where, luckily, a bush broke her fall. But unluckily, or maybe not, the bush was covered with thorns. With the needle-like tips pricking her all over, she screamed. Goldilocks ran and ran and ran, and she cried and cried and cried, and as she fled the bear's house, she had a moment of clarity, an aha moment, a gestalt moment. A light bulb went ping in her head. She realised that she was not such a nice little girl after all. She knew that she should not have been so rude to her mother, that she should not have demanded chocolate for breakfast, she should not have run away or broken into the bear's house, stolen little baby bear's breakfast, broken his chair and then drooled all over baby bear's pillow. When Goldilocks arrived home, she ran to her mother and said sorry over and over again. Goldilocks told her mum what she had done, that she now knew it was wrong to have done all those things. Well, her mother knew that taking responsibility for one's actions is a very fine thing indeed. Goldilocks's mother said they should go to the store and replace what was broken and eaten, and that they should also get a new pillow. No one wants to sleep on a pillow someone else has drooled on. So that's what they did. Goldilocks and her mother brought those things to the bear's home and apologised. And you know what? The bear family and Goldilocks's family began to visit each other regularly. Goldilocks and little baby bear became best friends and would play for hours together. The end. We're going to Terry Gross this if that makes you feel more comfortable because it's all about getting a good interview. Okay. Hi, welcome to the Story Story podcast. Today we have author... Simon Brooks. So, Simon, what was your favorite story or book as a child? My fa- one of my favorite stories as a, as a child was the story of Beth Gellert, uh, which is an old Welsh story. Um, even though it would make me cry, uh, it, was still, it was still one I would ask my mother to tell me again and again. Um, it's also known as the, the Faithful Hound. It's about this Prince Llewellyn who has this faithful hound, Gellert, and he eventually marries uh, this woman, not the dog, but Prince Llewellyn. And they have a child together, and they go out hunting. And the dog, which is always by his side, returns to the hunting lodge. And when the prince realizes the dog's missing, they go back to the hunting lodge, and they find the dog's no- uh, muzzle covered in blood. And he thinks that the dog has killed the child in jealousy. And so he plunges a sword into the side of the dog. And as the dog howls in pain, they hear this baby's cry from inside the lodge. And they go inside and they find there's blood all over the place and tapestries have been pulled down from the walls. And they find the baby hidden and safe. And they also find a wolf that has been killed by Gellert. And the prince is mortified 
that what he's done because his actions were, were not taken wisely. He didn't figure out the whole story before the punishment. And he can't bring the dog back to life. He buries the dog. And there is a gravestone in North Wales that marks the place of where this dog was buried. Like I said, it's a very dark and sad story, but it was one that I really liked, not because the dog was killed, but because the prince was so um, filled with remorse afterwards. Mm-hmm. And that rustling that you might hear in the background is my dog, Mo, snuggling up on her beanbag. Oh, <laughs> that's significantly sweeter. I mean, it's a sad story, but the one you told on the podcast is significantly lighter and, yes. and has a lot of lovely voices and characters. So what part of that story was your favorite? Why did you tell it? What do you love about that story? Um, Goldilocks and the Three Bears, I guess, is, is a story that most people know. And um, I didn't have a huge repertoire when I first started telling stories. And a group of kids at this play school asked me to tell the story of Goldilocks and the Three Bears. And because I knew it, although I'd never told it, um, I went for it. And what happened was, was all of these images came to mind and I didn't want to just do a regular storytelling. So when I started off the story, I was thinking about what is Goldilocks? Who is she? And that's how the start of the story happened, which is everyone thinks Goldilocks is a nice little girl. She's not. She is awful. She's terrible. She's a horrible, horrible, horrible girl. And of course, when you start saying things like that, the kids are like, what? Really? Because nobody's supposed to be horrible and mean and, and terrible. And I just played on that all the way through and made her the most awful child that I could imagine and because I had a young child at the time all of the naughty things that they would do even though they didn't do them very often but you know no kid behaves well all of the time so I took all of the worst habits that my two children had um, when they were younger and wrapped them up into the story and uh, it became it became a signature story and it still is I can understand why it's thoroughly entertaining yeah yeah, you can have a lot of fun with it, you know. Mm-hmm. And also, when um, when we get to the bit when Baby Bear is, that's not very nice. You know, you do that in a school, or, or then all the teachers are, are looking at you because the kids start to repeat it towards the end of the story and join in. Right. I had emails from teachers months after I'd been to a school saying, "Thank you very much." <laughs> <laughs> They're still saying, "That's not very nice." <laughs> My work is done. (laughs) The days are busy as the holidays approach, and making a home-cooked meal can be a lot of work. Instead of getting a Three Little Pig trough-sized special, consider ordering from the Horn of Plenty Meal Service. Warm meals delivered to your door. The holiday specials include figgy pudding, sweet meats, sugar plums, and gingerbread men who won't run away. From our cornucopia to your door, let the Horn of Plenty Meal Service serve you. The books whispered all afternoon, and I decided to go to the library to return some rather noisy books and see if the librarian might have some insight about what was going on. 
the library was anything but quiet. Each book was reading itself, creating quite the hushed din. I pulled the librarian aside and asked her what was going on. She smiled. Ah, well, it's World Book Day. You know how animals get human speech on Christmas Eve? Well, on International Book Day, the books read themselves. The second story for the podcast comes to us from the Northern Irish storyteller Steve Lally, who has just released the book Monaghan Folktales. The county Monaghan is a place full of ancient secrets, uncanny stories, and unforgettable characters. The story is The Devil and Davy Hutchinson and is read by the author himself. Hello, my name is Steve Lally and I'm a storyteller and I'm going to be reading to you a story from my latest book which is called Monaghan Folktales, uh, basically the uh, folklore of County Monaghan in the Republic of Ireland. Uh, this is my third book. My first was Down Folktales, County Down, which is in uh, the north or northern Ireland. Uh, my second book um, is called Kildare Folktales, which is where I'm originally from, County Kildare in the Republic. And uh, myself and my partner, Paula Flynn, are currently writing a book called Magical Ireland, Fairy Stories of, of the uh, 32 Counties, which will be um, released in 2018. So, uh, yeah, it, it's it's lovely to get the opportunity to um, share these stories. I had great fun collecting them, these particular stories in uh, County Monaghan. Um, the one I'm going to read you, it's a nice little story um, which features Owl Nick, the Black Earl of Hell, the devil himself, uh, who features a lot in old Irish folklore. And um, yeah, it's a good story, uh, features very heavily with, with Monaghan itself. And uh, without further, further ado, I would like to share it with you. So here we go. The Devil and Davy Hutchinson. No collection of Irish folk stories would be complete without a tale involving Old Nick, better known as the Devil. I came across this lovely story in the 1997 Tidavnus Annual. It did not state who had collected it, and it was very short, uh, but, but it had great potential as a yarn. So I took it upon myself to give it a little lift and deliver it to you now, with great excitement. The story of the putching maker Davy Hutchinson and his dealings with the devil. Davy Hutchinson was born in Mullandava in the parish of Clonus, County Monaghan, in the year 1848. By trade, he was a lime burner making quicklime. But his real profession was not of a particular noble nature, for he was a putching maker. That's right, he brewed the rare old mountain dew, and he was very well known for his expertise and the high quality of his produce. He spent much of his time making the potching and would spend around seven weeks uh, working solidly and producing around a hundred gallons of the stuff. He called each of these marathon brewing sessions a go. Now Davy would tell people around him that he had a great friend in the devil himself. He described him as being a little old man with a wizened face, wee eyes and with a pointy nose and ears to boot. <laughs> and he was always very well dressed. He said that he was a very helpful character, and whenever Drumloo Lock was frozen over, the devil would go into it and bring back the worm which Davy had hidden there. 
Now, for anyone who does not know what the worm is, it's a long piece of copper pipe that has been formed into the shape of a coil. It is a very important part to the putching still and is known as a worm because it looks like a coiled worm. Davy would dismantle his still when he was not brewing the Mountain Dew and hide its various components about the place, for the authorities were always keeping a close eye on him. In return for such kind gestures, the devil would always ask of Davy a cup on, or simply a cup of the first run of holy water. Another fond name for putching, which the devil got great satisfaction out of using. There was one particular story Davy used to tell about his old friend, the devil, that always made him smile. It all began when Davy was asked to make a go by one of his neighbours. He was happy enough to do it. But there was a bit of a problem, for poor Davy was being constantly watched by the police and it was getting harder to evade them all the time. So one particular night, he set off to find a good concealed place where he would not be found or disturbed whilst carrying out his work. Well, he searched about the place looking for somewhere well hidden with enough room to set up a still. When who comes out of the shadows but his old friend, yes, that's right, old Nick, the devil himself. Well, Davy, what are your trouble tonight, says the devil. Oh, there isn't much use in me telling you my troubles, Nick. Why not, asked the devil. Davy looked at the little man with the sharp, wizened features and said with a great sigh, I fear that not even you can be of any help to me this night. Ah, now, Davy, let me hear them, says the devil. So Davy explained to old Nick that he could not find a decent hiding place to make his potching. And the police were on to him constantly, and he feared that he would never be able to make his mountain dew again. Oh, that would be a terrible shame indeed. Imagine the world without the holy water, said the devil, with an evil smile in his face. Don't you worry now. I will sort this out for you. That I will do surely. So the devil wasted no time at all and went about making what looked like a small boat from hazel rods. Now when the boat was ready, the devil told Davy to gather up all his utensils and get inside, which he did. And then old Nick hopped in beside him. As soon as they were aboard, Nick lifted the magic rod, tapped the prow of the boat three times with the rod, and all of a sudden the vessel started to rise up into the air, right up into the clouds where it sailed with the wind through the night sky. As they sailed along, Davy could see the land below them, and he saw Drumloo Loch and all that surrounded it. It was magnificent indeed. The boat rose higher and higher into the clouds so that Davy could no longer see anything below him but the clouds. Well, after a while, the vessel started gradually to descend from the sky. When they landed, Davy found himself outside a magnificent castle with strange and wonderful plants growing all around it. Among these plants, there was a clearing and the devil told Davy to carry out his work there and he would return for him in three days. Before he went, he left a hundred gallon bottles for Davy to fill with the precious liquid. With that, the devil disappeared and Davy set about his work. 
relaxed and free of the worry that the authorities would catch him. Now, as Davy worked away on the go, he was very curious to know who or what lived inside the big castle above him. He figured that he had his potching still in order and that he could leave it for a while and go and see what was above in the palace. So off he went when he got to the doors of the big castle. He gave them a good bang and there was no answer. He called out, but there was still no answer. He gave the door a push and lo and behold, didn't it swing open for him? He went inside and he could see that the castle was fabulous and in the centre of it he found a grand table full of every type of food and drink that you could think of and as he was very hungry he helped himself. After he was finished he walked through the building taking it all in. He had never seen anything like it. In one of the rooms he found piles of gold, silver and jewels of all descriptions. He helped himself to a few of the gold coins and a couple of large diamonds. And then he thought it was best that he go back to his still before some other type of authority was on to him. So he went back to his still and found it all in working order. After three days he produced 100 gallons of the stuff and bottled it all up, ready for the journey back. Sure enough, after three days, Old Nick returned in a giant boat of hazel rods and helped Davy to load the potching. When they were done, Davy told him that he had been to the castle and had a bite to eat and that he had found a room of magnificent treasure. He put his hand in his pocket and took out what he thought was the treasure he had taken, but when he held out his hand, there was nothing but moonlock, which basically means horse manure. Well... That will teach you to steal fairy gold, said the devil, laughing. Then he looked at Davy and said, I think we should get out of here now, for they are all away at the moment, but they are due back very soon, and they would not appreciate the likes of us about the place. So with that, Davy and the devil headed back to Davy's house, and as always, in return, all the devil requested for his help was the first cup of putching from the go. Until the next time, and for all eternity. There you go now. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed the story. And uh, you will find that story amongst many other stories in my latest book, Monaghan Folk Tales by Steve Lally, published by the History Press, Ireland, 2017. Okay, thanks folks. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Story Story Podcast. Show notes and more information about the storytellers you heard today can be found at storystorypodcast.com forward slash episode 35. Show the love. Find Simon Brooks and Steve Lally on Facebook and the internet. Tell them you heard them on the podcast and now want to hear them tell more stories. You can pre-order Simon Brooks' book under the Oaken Bow on Amazon. And you can order Steve Lally's book, Monaghan Folktales, on Amazon or on his website. You can find the links and more on storystorypodcast.com. In fairy tales, the magic number is three, so I have three things for you to do. One, like and rate the show on iTunes. It helps others find the podcast. Two, join the mailing list. You will get a link to the podcast delivered to your inbox, plus news and other storytelling-related goodness. Three, consider becoming a supporter. For as little as $4 a month, the cost of a lampshade from the thrift store, you help support the podcast and will get access to the Story Story Short, 
which is what it sounds like, an extra story just for the patrons. The short for this episode is One Wish by Simon Brooks, which is another story from his book, and you can also hear the entire interview. You can find out how to support the podcast and join the mailing list at storystorypodcast.com. And a thank you as big as the giant oak tree to those who are donating. If you would like to stay connected, you can find me and the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Story Story Podcast or Rachel Ann Harding. Please come say hello. Check out the ads for the fairy tale sponsors and let me know the favorite story you have heard or the favorite stories of your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you will hear them here soon. Next episode is the last episode of season three. It will be a special episode to finish up the season, and I hope you'll join me. And until then, live happily ever after. The wedding lasted for seven days. I know. I was there. I would cross... 27 countries, wear out three pairs of boots, battle two giants, and the grandmother of all witches, Baba Yaga, before I was reunited with my frog princess. But that's a story for another time. The last thing he said before he died was a curse on anyone who would dare to go sing with the fairies. Just because a story is strange mistake. It can also be true.